All truth. Th- this guy makes just a comedy of errors on a daily basis. No BS. You have all these people that are whining, and 50 to 90 days ago, most of these people wanted to put you in a fucking cage. Uncensored. You know, the thing. You know. Oh, come on, man. Come on, Coco Buff. Rub these hairy legs. Corn pop. How many times I got to tell you it's corn pop? The Uncommon Podcast with B Pop and Duff. You can't take away 100,000 jobs and then bring back 90,000 jobs and go, look at me. Come I brought back 90,000 jobs. Because <laughs> if you set extremely high goals, it's going to propel you a lot further than if you would have set a more of a soft-ass goal. Every episode of the Uncommon Podcast is dedicated to the first responders, police, firefighters, EMTs, frontline workers, and a special thank you to active duty military and veterans for all that you do so that we can do what we do. We have the illusion of freedom here. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Uncommon Podcast with B-Pop and Duff. Duff, what's up, brother? Nothing much, buddy. How you doing? Man, it's good, man. It's been a week. It's been a week already so far, I'll tell you that. <laughs> they kind of go in uh, droves, I feel. Yeah. Right? Like, sometimes a lot of it has to do, and this is all the personal development shit that I do, but, you know, you start to realize that you're the one that controls all that, and even though you know that a lot of times, it's hard to get out of your way. Oh, exactly. You know, and then, you know, I know that me personally, I start to get a little bit of a victim mentality, and it's hard, and you got to reset your brain and you have to you know think about what really is important in your life mm-hmm. right and kind of what and kind of what way your life is heading and i run into that a lot man and you know you just get those weeks and sometimes i call those burn weeks you just got to get to sunday and yeah and then get your reset or if you want to reset on friday or whatever right and then you just kind of do what you got to do i'll tell you man honestly the one of the saving graces Yesterday, and I shouldn't say a week, man. I just had a bad day yesterday. Um, but one of the saving graces is doing the 75 hard just because it keeps my mind right and keeps it off all the bull- other bullshit because I'm focused on, like, my tasks that I have to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's nice, right? And so, like, yesterday afternoon, I was like, fuck it, man. I went out, and it was like, you know, what, 95 degrees, threw my weighted vest on, threw my little uh, fishing hat on that I – my brim hat that I do, and I literally went on just a walk for 45 minutes just a, a high speed walk, and I was like, "Just I got to get my mind right." No podcast, no nothing. Just turned on some metal music and just walked. I was like, "Fuck this!" It's nice, isn't it? I'm out. <laughs> I remember when I did 75 hard. I was the one thing was was the like extreme exhaustion. It made me a little more crabby. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think I was a little more irritable, and I think that that kind of plays into kind of what you're dealing with this week too. It's like when you're already tired. You got all this shit on your plate, you know, to for 75 hard. And then you got all this shit on your plate for you. You got a kid and you're married right. and, you know, you got all this other stuff and you start adding on to those things. Like, even though it is a positive thing and it's moving you in a positive way, right? it still doesn't take away from the fact that sometimes you feel like you're overwhelmed and that that overwhelmed feeling starts to manifest itself in that victim mentality we talked about, right? Like, right. God, why does this happen to me? And, you know, and I remember several days where I was out on a walk and I'm going, what the F am I doing this stupid ass walk? You know what I'm saying? Like, but you know, for those out there, you know, Brett's doing a lot of what I did during 75 hard. And, you know, one of my workouts, you know, a lot of days during the week was a weighted vest walk and people don't think about it, but you can intentionally do it to where it's hard on you. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you said, you went out when it was hot and then lately, you know, I've been training for the ultra marathon I got on Friday we're recording this on uh, August 4th here. 
So I have a ultra marathon on Friday and I have been intentionally going out in the afternoons when it was like 104, 106 and training in that heat because I knew that I wasn't going to get the amount of volume miles that I needed for this race. So I wanted to make it as miserable as possible on my body. So my body learns how to cope with that. Does that make sense? It does. And I think one thing you're going to start to see as you continue through 75 hard is you're going to feel that your internal structural muscles, meaning like down in your hips and in your lower back and in your, you know, closer to your spine and in your cavities and stuff like you're having to hold yourself up with that weight. I think what you're going to find is that you're going to get a lot of benefits like in your knee pains that you typically have or your hip pains that you typically have because just that repetitive motion with increased weight like that, you're you're making your bones more dense, you're starting to build more muscle as long as your nutrition's right. You know, there's a lot of positive effects that go from just walking. And that's one thing that I tell everybody, if you want to lose a little bit of weight, this is the easiest way to do it. And anybody literally can do this, okay? And I learned this a long time ago from a guy that used to be like a YouTube sensation. His name was Elliot Hulse. And this is when I was in my trouble at the police department. And I, it's just things you don't think about. But he said, you know, get up before you eat, drink a glass of water, and go for a walk. And I thought that's the stupidest thing to lose weight because when I was a cop, I was pudgy and, you know, I was the typical. I can't ever imagine you being pudgy. Oh, bro. man. I was, I was walking <laughs> around about 195 pounds. It was, I mean, I was lifting, I was lifting and running still, but not running like I do now. Right. right. And so, it was a it was a fugazi for me, right? I was I thought I was in shape until I figured out really what was being in shape. But for everybody out there, uh, maybe just trying to lose just a couple pounds, you know, here or there, you want to try to thin out just a little bit. Try just try this, okay? If you get up at least four days a week in the morning and you drink a glass of water and then you go for a walk, the reason why that's beneficial for you is because basically your body has eaten all of the sugars and the glucose and all the carbohydrates in your body over the night so it can repair the muscles from the day before, meaning that your your glucose stores, and again, I'm not a sports science like guru, so take this with a grain of salt if you want to, but it's worked for me. Mm-hmm. If you can get up four days a week, have a glass of water before you eat at one calorie and go out and walk for 30 to 45 minutes every single day and you cut your sugars at night down just a little bit, I will guarantee you, you will lose five pounds of water weight in the first two to three weeks. Oh, I have no doubt. A hundred percent. Yep. And so for people out there that maybe don't want to do 75 hard, that's just an idea for you if you want to start, you know, getting, building those healthy habits. The other part of that too is, as we talked about on here, I'm a big subscriber to Dr. Andrew Huberman, who was on the Joe Rogan podcast. He has been posting crap for the last three weeks or three months, sorry, constantly about getting your eyes in sunlight as soon as you possibly can in the day to set your circadian rhythm. Oh, really? Yep. So what he says, and I highly recommend you go follow him on Instagram. It's, I don't know if it's Huberman lab, but it's Dr. Huberman. He has like a goatee. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast. He was just on there. So if you want to go listen to that, you can go back. But he says, if you really want to set your circadian rhythm and then you want to have an actual sleep schedule, you need to get your eyes in bright light or sunlight right away for a minimum of 10 minutes in the morning, as soon as you can. So for me, when the winter months come, I don't, the sun's, I'm up way before the sun. And so what I did was we went through and we put really bright lighting in my kitchen because that's where I go down and I get my coffee and I do everything else. And I know that I'm not going to be, I'm going to be up for a couple hours before the sun comes up. Mm -hmm. So I sit in there and I make my, and that's the first thing I do when I go downstairs. You know, some people avoid turning the light on right away because they don't want their eyes burning and stuff. I've been doing that intentionally. I got to be honest with you, man. At 10 o'clock at night, I start to feel that, you know, and go down. 
Right. Where I didn't before normally do that. It could be one o'clock in the morning. It could be midnight, you know, stuff like that. So I think that's actually helping too. I know we kind of went long on this first section, but, you know, just some tips for people, simple things. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have this thing, fitness and getting into shape and stuff. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to hurt your joints. It doesn't have to make you want to puke. Like start where you're at and move. Right. Just keep going. Yeah. Well, and I got to be honest, I'm, uh, th- th- uh, what am I going on? I'm in what, two and a half weeks in, I think on my third week. And it's, n- it's certainly not as hard yet as I thought it would be. You know what I mean? I'm a big, uh, routine guy. I love checklists and shit. That's just how I get shit done. So if I've got like my roadmap and okay, this is my routine and these are the, this is the checklist of shit that I got to get done on a daily basis. I'm, I'm good with that. You know what I mean? Like on weekends, I'll create fucking checklists of just honeydews to do. Because otherwise, if I don't, I don't do it, right? But if I put it on a checklist or reminders, I get it done. And that's how this is, man. I just blast through it. I get my reading done first thing in the morning. And, you know, if I read at night, it's just a bonus. And, yeah, so it's been good so far. Good, dude. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for making it this far. I told you, week three is the bitch. Yeah. Week three, the 20, like the 20-ish day mark, that's the bitch. You got to just got to push through that one. And if you can get past that, you go smooth sailing for a couple weeks. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at pretty much. I'm at, uh, what is today? Today's uh, day 19. So Congratulations, bro. Keep going. Yeah. Well, on this, I was, um, I didn't watch it live, but I did catch all the clips. So, you know, I'm big into the MMA world and I like watching MMA and, uh, a guy that I used to train with Donald Cerrone just retired. So shout out to Cowboy Cerrone. If he ever listens to this podcast, who knows if he does or not, but you know, Amazing that, was a, career right that, was there. A, that was a great career. And, uh, even though he never won a belt or anything, man, I've watched, I literally got to watch him from some of his very first amateur fights literally to the, his retirement, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. It was actually really cool to see the progression of the pro athlete. And what that really means. And people have asked me, and I, we're going to talk about more of a negative topic today, but I wanted to just get on, get this all out. Everybody always asked me, he had ten, ubers, uber more natural talent than I ever had. Okay. But right. I've also known other people that have made it to the pro ranks that were very similar to me, right. And like how I, how I fought, or I was more of a thinking fighter versus a just, you know, go at somebody and just beat the dog shit out of them. The difference between the people that make it, in my opinion, and people that don't make it are the people that go all in. And I put this clip from Andy Frisella up on my story today. It was the the clip where he says, you know, you know who the people that have plan Bs are the people that lose. Right, because they're always – a plan B, you're already anticipating failing. Right, and um, I know that, like, the difference between me and Donald now, again, take the natural talent out of it. Okay, let's just talk about, like, the work and the and the journey – he took out loans to go over to Thailand and live over there for six months. He took out loans to he was all in go up and live in Vail, Colorado, where this some guru uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu guy came in, and I mean he literally lived with him for almost a year, right? And so that's what I mean by going all in. Like he was taking loans out and betting on himself. Whereas me, I was looking at, okay, well, maybe I'll be a cop or maybe I'll be a firefighter or maybe I'll do this, right? I don't want to get hurt doing that because then that's going to take away from this, right? And so you start to see those things. And when I put that clip up on my Instagram today, it just really resonated with me because that's how I observed this, right? Mm -hmm. But also what happened um, this last week, and this is what's going to take us into it. We want to call this, you got to notice the signs. And when we're talking about today, it's I want to try to put a positive spin on it, Brett, as much as I can, but I think this is a topic that everybody really avoids talking about, and that's why we want to talk about it today. Mm -hmm. We want to talk about the stuff that nobody else wants to talk about, and the topic of today is basically suicide. And all of us have been affected 
by suicide in one form or fashion throughout our life. And, sure. and if you haven't, you will be at some point. It just, that's a fact of life. But this happened over the weekend. Um, there's a fighter that I'm starting to kind of gravitate towards. I kind of like his attitude. His name is Patty Pimblett. Okay. He's from, uh, okay. he's from, uh, I think he's from London, England. He's over from Europe. You'll notice from his, uh, accent here, but I want you guys to listen to his post fight little interview here. And I think we all need to start taking a page out of his book when we're speaking to people or when we're, when we get that feeling in our gut, they're like, man, something's off with that person. You know, you're around the water cooler and you see somebody come in. Normally they're real talkative and, you know, maybe they walk right by you and don't say a word. And, you know, you know, in your guts that something's up with that person. Right. But most of us don't ever say anything. Well, because a lot of us just want to mind our own business and be respectful that way. That, and I think a lot of us are afraid of being wrong, mm -hmm. right? Instead of just saying, hey, man, I'm not saying it is or not, but if you need something, right? But let's listen to this, and then that'll kind of kick us off. Right. I want to dedicate this fight to little baby Lee, little warrior. Like, more of a fighter than any of us will ever be. But also, I woke up on... Friday morning at 4 a.m. to a message that one of my friends back home had killed himself. This was uh, five hours before me weighing. So, Ricky, lad, that's for you. But there's a stigma in this world that men can't talk. Listen, if you're a man, and you've got weight on your shoulders, and you think the only way you can solve this is by killing yourself, please speak to someone. Speak to anyone. People would rather, I know I'd rather me make cry on my shoulder than go to his funeral next week. So please, let's get rid of this stigma, and men start talking. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, I mean, what he said is legit. I mean, of course, everybody would be open to talk to somebody. I, uh, you know, the, the issue is when someone's at that level of desperation, if, if that's the best way to put it, they ain't talking. Most people ain't going to talk to anybody. You know what I mean? Only because from a guy's standpoint, you don't want to feel like a, I don't even know what, what what's the right word to put, right? You don't want to. A wuss? Yeah, you don't want to feel like a wuss. You don't want to open yourself up to that, that emotion, right? You just, a lot of guys, me included, I mean, I'll just keep my mouth shut and deal with it in my own head or whatever. And I think that's what a lot of people do. You know what I mean? It shows a, a tremendous sign of weakness, I think, if somebody is down that road or at that level and they want to go talk to somebody about that because that's a very opening experience, right? Um, I don't want to say naive because that's not the right word, but you are. It, it, it takes a lot of pride or you have to swallow a lot of pride to get to that point. There's a stigma. Well, there's a, there's a, let me put it this way. I think at least is how I look at it. There's a perceived st stigma. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Because I know that I've talked about it openly on here. There's been several times in my life where I've thought about it. And so, sure. you know, I'm not going to go deep into that again. You I can think go back a lot, and listen to I think them. a lot of people have, honestly, I, if I don't want, I don't want to put a number on it, but I would say a majority of my friends that I've had these open conversations with, they have all had them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to just say everybody has, because I'm sure there's religious people that, you know, that kind of thing and, you know, and their religions against it. And, you know, they're, autumn, you know, yeah. it's just a different thing for them. Right. Right. 
I've talked about my friend on here before, though. I had a friend, Nick Pounders, that we we grew up together, or we went to high school together, and then, you know, after high school, we were continually hanging out, and I knew that he had a lot of, like, drinking problems. And looking back now as his friend, the worst feeling everybody has, let me just get this out of the way, the worst feeling is everybody always feels like, oh, I could have done more when you have friends and stuff that do this stuff. One thing I want to get very clear, at least in all of my experiences, this is both professional and personal, I've had several people commit suicide in my personal life. And I have obviously responded to hundreds of suicides with the police department. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, you're not going to know, they're not going to be out about it, right? That they're thinking about it. Most of the time, people that talk about it a lot. Now they, they do end up sometimes taking that final step, but a lot of times it's almost like a call for help. Right. Usually the people that are talking about it are, are, I mean, exactly what you just said. That's a cry for help. They're trying to get the attention of somebody to kind of intervene. I think that the people that actually will do it, as I mentioned a minute ago, they ain't going to talk about it. They're just going to do it. And I used to think that we, you know, we drank a lot, man. We drank a lot when I was young and in my 20s and stuff. And I say I drink, we drank a lot. I'm talking 4 o'clock in the morning, man, still going. <laughs> and it was not uncommon. You know what I mean? Like that was a weekend. Oh, yeah. You know, and so. Been there, done that. You know, I, I missed a lot of the signs with Nick, you know, but what I didn't pick up on and you don't think about is like what he's been through up Mm. to that point. Right. Right. When I'm in my twenties, I'm not thinking about all this other stuff, but as I look back on it now, like his mom committed suicide. Oh really? Right. And she was an alcoholic. His dad was an alcoholic. So, I mean, there was just extreme depression and like substance abuse, right. Running through this family and we were all his friends and we weren't smart enough to see it at the time. Right. In fairness. Mm -hmm. But now like, those are the things that I want to, ask people to like look at, right? Like, like look at the whole picture of people. Like we've gotten so polarized on opposite sides of whatever talking point in this country. I mean, pick from the hundreds that we have right now. Right. And it's like, Oh, I don't care about you now, Brett. I don't, you know, I don't need to think about you because you don't think like I do. And I'm just going to walk over here, even though me and you could have been best friends for years and years and years and years. Right. Oh, exactly. And then these people that do that and they shun their own friends because of their political views or, or these other things. Will you or will you not be more or less sad if something happened to that person? Like, seriously. Well, you would be, I would think you'd be more sad if you just kind of wrote them off and all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, piss, piss off with you. And then you find out, oh shit, something happened. Right. And the last couple of years has made that situation just that much worse, that much harder because everyone's isolated or they had been isolated. I don't think so much isolated now. They very well could be depending upon where they live and that sort of thing. Uh, But they could be isolated from their friendships, just like you talked about, right? Isolated from their family relationships um, simply because of bullshit politics or whatever is happening, right? Someone that I had a meeting uh, with a, a guy a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me he hadn't seen his parents since Christmas because he traveled to go see his family for Christmas. He gets, and I, I you know, I'm going to probably butcher his story, but basically he gets to his parents' house. Mom comes out with a uh, COVID test. And this guy is not, he, he, he's an extremely smart individual when it comes to medical stuff. Okay. He's actually a doctor and he's not vaccinated. His mom tells him that she needs him to take a COVID test because he's not vaccinated and then proceeds to tell him that he needs to sleep in a camper. <laughs> he can't, he couldn't go in the house. And so he kindly said, okay, well, have dad come out. Um, my Uber just dropped me off. I, I need to ride back to the airport. And so he said he, he left very nicely, didn't do anything, just kind of left and came back here. 
And but since then, he hasn't talked to his parents. And a situation like that, that that's awful over something that didn't fucking matter to begin with. Now, now that you look back at it, right, right, in hindsight, right, in hindsight. Now that you look back at it, and I don't, I, I don't want to get on the COVID stuff, but you've even got doctors now. Doctor Burks is coming out now saying that they they overestimated the efficacy of the vaccines. There's a clip of her on Fox News today, basically saying the vaccines are shit, and you had people that wrote off family members. Because of that, because of that psyop, dude, I've lost, I've lost several friends, right? That I haven't talked to since. Mm-hmm. They got mad at a post I put out or something like that, and or they, they listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> they listen to this. That too, right? You want me to blow your mind? Blow it. Let's go. Okay, this is from the CDC website directly. For every suicide death, there are take a guess on how many hospitalizations. For so they're just comparing, contrasting. So for every suicide deaths, how many hospitalizations for an actual suicide attempt do you think there is? I'd probably say ten or fifteen to one. It was four. So four to one, right? Okay, You're it's getting less those attempts. Those are those are those attempts. Is it's just mm-hmm. four to one. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read through these emergency department visits related to a suicide per one person that is successful in committing suicide. Eight emergency room visits. That means that somebody took the actual steps and just didn't actually make it. 27 self-reported suicide attempts. This is all from the CDC website. From that one suicide death, there are 275 people who seriously considered suicide in that exact same time frame. Mm-hmm. It's not surprising. And I mean, and this this comes down, I mean, are they classifying that by demographic, by profession or anything like that? I mean, are they getting into law enforcement or uh, active veterans, active duty military, anything like that. Um, there might be at the bottom here, but this is breaking more down based on gender and sex right now. So and I would venture to say that males are probably a higher percentage than females. Yep. I'll bring that stat up here in one second. I just thought you'd find this interesting. So some groups have disproportionately high rates of suicide. The racial ethnic groups with the highest suicide rates in 2020 were non-Hispanic American Indian and Alaskan native and non-Hispanic whites. So on my graph here, which I will post the link on our show notes, basically the what I just said, non-Hispanic, American Indian, Alaskan Native made up 23.9. Is that a percentage? Hold on. I think that's a percentage. 23.9 is what those made. Now, I think that has a lot to do with like the Inuits and stuff living up in Alaska and some of those really harsh conditions and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, right? I've never lived up there, but you're, they're saying Alaska, you know, Alaskan natives and, you know, the non-Hispanics, I would have to think it was like a lot of that. And sure. in those conditions, I don't want to, I'm not going to sit here, but this is the number that really opened my eyes. Males make up 49% of the population, but are nearly 80% of the suicides. The suicide rate among males in 2020 was four times higher than that that of the rate among females. So during 2020, the graph that you'll see if you go into our show notes, males, they were at, say, 22 attempts, and females were at 5.5. Wow. So it is a big thing. It doesn't surprise me, in all honesty. And and I think one of the reasons, and I'm totally spitballing and speculating here, but I think one of the reasons that doesn't surprise me is because I would venture to think that females probably seek out help more so than males do. I believe just so. as, you know, females tend to be more in touch with their emotions and things like that. And because of that, probably get caught early on in the, in the stage of it, maybe. But I also think that males, just like we talked about at the beginning, just kind of bottle shit up and just ain't going to talk about it. It's going to be internalized and it's going to, and it's going to fester internally until it, it's no more. Right. Right. 
Well, I got another clip here. Now, this one, for everybody out there that maybe has been, I should have probably put a little warning out at the beginning of this. A couple of these clips are, I mean, they're going to, they're, they made me a little emotional this morning when I was going through and writing my notes down and stuff. So this next clip I'm going to play, it is, it, it, it is kind of triggering if you have been through some of these direct situations. I would highly recommend, I think we're going to play about two minutes of it. If you get uncomfortable, just fast forward, please don't, don't leave us totally, but you know, go fast forward. I just want to give everybody a warning, but this, I want people, cause there's going to be some people that listen to this episode that maybe had these thoughts lately. Mm-hmm. And I want them to realize the impact that it has that, that you leave, because you don't think about that. My aunt didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. My buddy, my buddy didn't think about that. The other people that I know that have taken that step, they didn't think about that. They didn't think about the people that loved them. They were so, most at least, like I said, my these are my experience. They were so focused on what was wrong in their life. Does that make sense? They didn't. Sure. They didn't take the time. Maybe they got in a fight with somebody or whatever. And I'm going to go over triggers at towards the end and and how we can kind of combat the situation. But what I always found was that they didn't like my aunt did it at a rental house where her she was staying with my grandparents. They went out to get food. She was an alcoholic. She drank a bunch. Of, she drank a bunch of alcohol and shot herself in some random house that they, it was actually their friend's house. I said a rental house. It was their friend's house in Golden, some big-ass mansion thing with freaking theaters and everything. And that's where she did it. Mm-hmm. She was literally with my grandparents hours before that. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's how, that's why I have that perception of we where our focus is at and we get down that, once they get down in that dark place, you know, we got to find ways to pull them back out. But I want to just give this to, to give some, uh, to give some uh, margin here. Sure. To wake up next to like nothing is so hard. I met Ryan in September of 2018. He didn't really tell me that he suffered from depression, but he told me he was a recovering alcoholic. So in my mind, I was like, oh, that just means that he's never gonna drink again. Ryan and I actually had an amazing relationship. He was loving, he was affectionate, and he just kind of showed me the meaning of adventure and the meaning of life. He was really, really funny, and we were able to laugh and just be genuinely ourselves. There was just that side of him where he suffered from depression and he suffered with suicidal thoughts and alcoholism. May is mental health awareness month. So Ryan actually relapsed three times. When he would drink, would morph his face to the point where I didn't even recognize him. I remember thinking, this is not the person I know. This is not the person that I love. I get a phone call from him and says, I'm getting pulled over, I'm going to prison. Like I was like, oh, well, I'm assuming you're getting a DUI because you're drinking and driving. I didn't know the extent of how many DUIs he already had. This was actually his fifth DUI. And the lawyer goes, Ryan, you got five DUIs. You are going to be going to prison for five to 15 years. And I think for him, his life was just over. On the night that Ryan passed away, I just remember saying to him, let's go do something fun tonight. We'll go to dinner and we go to one of our favorite restaurants and we're having a great time. We'll come home from dinner. And this was the first time he was like happy. He was acting normal. Like he was just the man that I typically love. I said, I'm just gonna run a couple errands. I'll be back later. So I leave and he calls me probably about 45 minutes later and he goes, I'm actually not feeling well. Why don't you go to your mom's house? And I was like, that's weird. I really wasn't thinking he was suicidal at this point. I was more scared of him 
drinking than anything else. I'll be home in 45 minutes, I told him. He's like, okay, I love you. And sometimes when I was really mad at him, I wouldn't say I love you back, but I did tell him, I love you. That was the last thing he ever heard me say. I get home, I walk in the door, and everything is dark except for the TV. I see him on the couch, and it was really kind of confusing. I saw his face, and I finally realized what was happening. And I just fell to my knees. I was just screaming at the top of my lungs. And I'm already trying to do CPR on him, and I just knew he was gone. It's just so hard. The way that Ryan's suicide impacted my life obviously was very, very hard mentally. I just couldn't even get out of bed. One day, I was cleaning out my own closet and I found a t-shirt that he actually wore. And I remember just going up and just feeling so sick at the smell of him because it created like this PTSD trigger. It just brought me back into that night of where I lost him. It could be anything, it could be a song, it could be something that reminds me of him will just kind of disable me in a way where I'm like, can't breathe. I've heard a Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty uh, sad video you got there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so again, I, I, I kind of went back and forth about playing that one. But again, we have to start talking. This is going to be my only political statement, okay? Or I'm, this is what I'm going to try to keep it at, my only political statement today. Mm-hmm. How the fuck can we talk about transgender, this, that, the other thing, blah, blah, blah. But this is like a, this is like a taboo topic. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if we're going to talk about everything, bro, let's talk about everything. Like, well, you really want to help people, let's help people. Right. I don't want to sit here and say that's a taboo topic to talk about because, I, you know, I think the people – there are people that want to help and would love for people to talk about it. I think what we got to realize is the people that are going down that road aren't going to be the, aren't going to be willing to talk about it because now I shouldn't say that some people talk about it as a cry for help. Maybe they want to get attention something like that, but you're going to have the section of the population again, mainly men that aren't going to talk, aren't going to say shit about it. You know what I mean? Uh, You ever watch the Sopranos? No, actually. Holy shit. How nope. have you never watched the fucking Sopranos? I just, I, I never got into it. All right. So the Sopranos, <laughs> if you've lived under a rock for the last fucking 20 years, <laughs> the Sopranos is about a mob boss, Tony Soprano, that's got depression and probably some other shit. And he's always dealing with shit. He's on Prozac, he has panic attacks, this and that. And he always refers to himself as a sad clown. And a lot of times that's what you're going to run into with people. They're the sad clown that they are dealing with shit, but they're not going to put on that they're dealing with shit. And the hard part is how do you identify that? You know what I mean? And I think that's what that, the last clip was talking about was her boyfriend, husband, whatever, she would have never thought that that was the case. And it's kind of the sad clown, right? There's no solution to that. And I don't want to think that, and I hear what you're saying about we could talk about all this other shit, but we can't talk about that. I, I wouldn't sit necessarily say that. I think all the other trans and gender shit, you know, that's at the forefront, right? That's kind of, I look at that, honestly, as kind of a made-up crisis. It's a, a, a political crisis, right? Where this, what we're talking about today, is more of a real crisis. And it's not that it can't be talked about. It's just that some people don't want to talk about it. I would agree with that, but I, you said— you don't know if it can be addressed. And, and that was the next section I kind of wanted to go in just so everybody has understanding. You have to understand one thing that they taught us in CIT training when I was with the police department about, you know, dealing with people with mental issues and everything else. One, you don't play into the fantasy. That's always number one. But number two is you- Wait, have, wait, wait. You don't play in the fantasy? Really? No. Oh, 
You're but not that, supposed to. But that's what we do. Yep, you're not supposed to. You are <laughs> okay. not supposed to. But I, I'm not going down that road today. Yeah. But you have to understand triggers. Now, if you, we, I've referenced it on here several times. Have you ever seen the movie Falling Down with Michael Douglas? Yeah, great movie. If you have and not, it's happening a lot right now with the fucking road rage incidents, incidents, and all that shit. There if, was one just two days ago in Denver. Yeah, if you have not seen that movie, make sure you go watch it. It's about a guy that, I mean, it's just, there's there's a bunch of stuff going on in his life, and finally he breaks, right? And so I want to just give this to everybody. So when you're looking at your friends and the people that you love, you can kind of pick up on some of these things. Now, she brought up in that video that he was getting pulled over, and that's when he called her, and basically that's that he felt like his life was over. So that, to me, was his trigger, okay? So he had a trigger incident where he felt like his life was over. Now, in all honesty, I may tear up a little bit, but... I'm not going to lie to you. There was some thoughts like that that went through my head when I had my DUI and I was on the fast track at the police department and I thought my life was over, right? I mean, it just is what it is. It's, mm-hmm. You can't control your mind sometimes, but you have to understand that people are going through things every single day, every day. They are going through things. They're dealing with things. So what I call, what I like to make sure everybody just keeps in the back of their mind is I call it compounding, okay? When I have an issue going on right now, let's say I got, you know, maybe I hurt my back, okay? Got my, got my, got my, my hurt back. Now I can't work out. And, you know, so that's going to make me a little bit pissy. That back could also be hindering me in my sleep, which also hinders my performance, which also hinders everything else. Right. And that can cause consequences at my job that can cause consequences in my relationship that can cause consequences with my relationships and social relationships outside of my own home. Mm -hmm. That's what I call compounding. It's all of these different issues that start to build on top of each other based off of usually one or two nexus, right? Points. Right. When you have friends that have an abrupt something happen, like with me, with my DUI, it was my fault, 100%. I say it every day. I don't blame anybody else. It was totally my prerogative and, and my choice to go do that. But at the time, I was also dealing with a bunch of stuff that that could very easily been a trigger. Sure. So when we're looking at people, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is understand that, that, that whatever happened in that instant say somebody starts talking about, you know, suicide, understand that that's probably been in their mind for a while now. And they're they're waiting on that trigger. That's just going to push them over the edge. Mm -hmm. So what I want to implore everybody to do out there is just when you start noticing that somebody is continually having a bad time. Now, let me make the very, make the distinction. There are people that just, I'm not talking about suicide, but they act like a a perpetual victim just for fucking attention. You got to get good, better. That's something that only the professional victim. Yep. That's only you can determine that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but understand that when somebody starts to have some, say you have a friend that goes, I've caught, you know, divorce is huge in the cop world. I'm just going to use that as as an example. You have somebody that's going through a divorce and then now they have to move out of their house. Now they're away from their kids. Now it affects their job performance at work. And in that example, it's going to be as a police officer. So you get ripped into the lieutenant's office because you're not doing your job. You're not getting enough sleep because you're trying to spend the time with your kids in between while you're trying to deal with all the court shit and all this stuff. Like think about that entire scenario. Then you put something else big on top of it, like a DUI, or you put something else big on it, like your fucking dog dies. I mean, I've had people commit suicide and leave letters over some of the craziest crap, bro. Like Mm -hmm. you would not, you would have been like, oh my God, why did you do that? When you sit back and look at it, all the signs will be there, but you got to understand that it's going to build. Right. But the thing is, you know, the, the final straw that breaks the camel's back, so to speak, isn't the reason they committed suicide. And that's what I'm trying to get through to everybody. Right. I mean, things build up and build up and build up. And finally you're just like, fuck it. Right. Again, the hard part is identifying it. And I agree with you. And the one thing that I would say, and I've, t- I've said this 
before, you know, when you're talking to family or friends, be fucking genuine with people. You know, if you act like, hey, how you doing? But you really don't give a shit how they're doing. And it's just like, you know, when we start the episode every week, I'm like, hey, D, how you doing? Right. That's just the way to start a conversation. But if you're talking to somebody that you haven't seen in a while and you're a little concerned about, really give a shit about what they tell you and how they're reacting to you and not just, hey, how you doing? Let's, you know, go have a fucking beer and talk about sports or whatever. You know, just you got to be genuine. You got to be in the fucking moment. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, you know, if you consider yourself a friend of people, be a fucking friend. Don't be a fake friend. And that goes down to being genuine. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Well, I don't want this to go too long. So we got one last clip and this is more because on the point that I wanted to bring up, up to everybody, because I get people in my life a lot that are like, I don't know what to say when somebody's in a depressed mood or whatever. All you need to do is interrupt the thought pattern. That's what you need to do in that moment, right? You're not going to fix people's problems in a 20 second conversation. Right. Right. But if you can get them to stop thinking about what they are thinking about and obsessing over a lot of times you can get them out of that loop. So I wanted to play this clip. This is a pretty famous clip, actually, if you go on YouTube, but it's Tony Robbins at one of his seminars. And the guy admittedly, you know, is talking about, he has thought about suicide so many times or whatever. So we'll just play this. Why were you suicidal? <sighs> it's because I can feel very peak states in yes. life, but I can go so deep that I don't see a way out. Yes. And I'm looking for a way to, to get out of my body or to, to hit myself or to... <laughs> I can explain that deep and I don't find a way out. What makes you hate yourself? Is it the red shoes? What? Is it the red shoes? No. Are you sure? Because they're fucking red. Don't you be smiling like that. You'll fuck everything up. If you smile like that too much, you'll want to stick around. You've been so hard on yourself. I love that you have such high standards. But those aren't high standards. That's called perfection. And most people overestimate what they can do in a year. And they underestimate what they can do in two or three decades. And you haven't been around long enough to have those extra two or three decades. So don't fuck it up. There's time. I love Tony Robbins, man. Yeah, he's a, he's a staple, right? And, I, and that just, I, it, everybody laughed in the room and stuff. But if you go and watch this video, you can see it in his face. This guy is, I mean, extremely conflicted. Whether he has, you know, mental issues or not, I don't know. But mm-hmm. you can tell just by the look on his face, like he, like he's almost not there when he starts talking to him. Like he's so kind of just checked out. He is so down that hole that I was just talking about that he can't see. Mm-hmm. He can't see around him, and that's what I was talking about. If you can just, we call it the OODA loop, right? When for law enforcement of trying to, you know, get the brain to kind of scramble up when you know you're breaching a house and stuff like that to avoid, you know, them being able to put shots on where they want to go and stuff like that. It's the same thing with this when you're dealing with people. If you got people in a depressed, a depressed state, impress them. Find a way to impress them. The opposite of depressed is impress, mm-hmm. right? Yin and yang. So if you're not getting what you need out of people or you say you have a kid and he's way depressed or 
you got to find stuff that drives him, and then he, they, you have to get them to be impressed with themselves in some form or fashion. I don't give a shit if it's buy him a goddamn coloring book, and they are happy that they colored inside the lines for the first time. <laughs> Who cares, right? Right. But get them to be impressed so you can pull them out of that depressed state. And right. that's kind well, of like, it's almost like what he did in that clip is he tried to change the thought pattern by d- digging on his shoes, right? And it, a lot of people say, well, you can't make fun of people. You can't bully people. Well, sometimes getting, just getting a, a quick dig in like that just will, will, will break that short circuit. You know what I mean? It'll kind of pop you out and, you know, just that for that fucking brief moment that that person on the other end is now open to hearing what he said just because he kind of stopped that initial destructive mentality. Now, I'm not no fucking psychologist by any means, but that's just kind of what I picked up on it. Yeah. And my last, I'm going to start to kind of wrap it up here on my section, but you know, put your money where your mouth is. I have a lot of people I'm doing this race this weekend. I'm trying to raise money for vets with PTSD. It's kind of, kind of goes hand in hand. In my opinion, you get the, I think the stat still is 22 vets a day or whatever committing suicide. Like I'm doing a race, trying to raise funds. So they buy dogs for vets with PTSD. Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to do what I'm doing and go all the crazy athletic shit, but get involved and you can help people one way or another. Right. right. And help the people directly around you, you know, but you have to, we have to be more observant, I guess, is really what I'm looking for. We have to get out of our own way. And so in our own fucking bubble, like we have been, we talked about it on a couple episodes ago about when I was growing up and knowing all the neighbors and all that kind of stuff. Like we don't have that anymore. And that's where the connection between people is being lost. And if I'm waiting for the, the CDC didn't have the stats and the FBI didn't have the stats yet, but I am waiting to see what the, the suicide rate increases were between 21 and then going into 2022. Well, they're probably holding Triple. off. Well, 22 won't be out for a while, but just like any other stats, it's probably going to be, you probably won't see that till 2024. It's going to be crazy. Because they're going to suppress those stats. But I want everybody to know that it's an issue right now, and we need to start taking a vested interest in the people around us, man. And we got to start caring about one another again. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, truly caring. Not saying, oh, yeah, I like that guy. No, but that doesn't mean shit to me. Right. Right? Well, I, and it comes down to being fucking genuine, like I mentioned a minute ago. Well, I wrote down just a couple action things. Stop only texting people. Call people every now and then. Jesus Christ, pick the phone up. That's what they originally were invented for. You dial the number, guess what? You press send, and what happens? Somebody else on the other line picks up. Man, I'm old enough to remember when the fucking uh, texting first came out, and I had some friends text me, and I'm like, would you just fucking call me? Like, this is before, like, you know, you had to hit the button, like, three times to get the right fucking letter. And oh, yeah. I, I didn't know how to text. And I'm like, they're like, here, let me show you. I'm like, I don't want to fucking learn how to text. Like, if you need something, call me. And now, a lot of times, I'm like, why'd you call me? Just send me a text. <laughs> Yes, like another do five random calls a week, man. Just do five random calls to the people that maybe you, you went to college with or you know you you grew up with a little while ago and just just to say hey, check in on them every now and then. I mean, I literally do that for my business. Right. I have five people a day that I call and it it rolls around but it also keeps me in contact with everybody. The last thing this the last action thing I want everybody to do is when you know you have somebody that's going through a tr- like a tough situation like a divorce or or they lost, you know, unfortunately maybe they lost a parent or a grandparent or a family member or something like that. I mean, you, you don't know how everybody is going to react to every situation. So, you know, my last action item for everybody is just to pay attention a little bit more and if you see somebody needing help, just you need to reach out to them and, and tell them that you're there. Right. Exactly. 
Yeah, with that, like I say, I mean, I keep saying it, you know, be genuine when you're talking to people, actually give a shit. If you want to pretend to give a shit, give a shit. You know, if you don't really care, then don't pretend to care. It's just that simple to me. You know what I mean? Um, I'm kind of big on that, in all honesty. You know what I mean? Just, you know, come at people with your true intention and not some fake or phony intention. And I think, you know, that can go a long way. I would say, though, that for the people that are, you know, the surviving spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever of somebody that did that, don't beat yourself up too much about it either. Because a lot of times, just like we talked about, people are going to hide it to a point that you won't know. You know what I mean? Just like that first clip you played. You know what I mean? There, there are going to be signs, but not something that's going to be glaring. Could just be someone that's got the blues, right? We all get the blues from time to time. But again, you can't beat yourself up about it too much either. Well said, bro. Yep. So, but with that, you know, um, this was a little bit somber of an episode. We wanted to keep it short here, shorter. <laughs> We're, our counters at this important to me, man. Our, our counters you know? at forty-five minutes already. I but know. Uh, you know, with that, you know, what we'll ask everybody is, you know, we did not want to get on the politics side today, uh, just because I, I got to be totally honest, I'm fucking sick of it. It's the same old shit every week. Um, and I felt that this, we felt that this would have a little bit more meaning uh, than a lot of the shit we do. Uh, but do do us a favor, share this. Share this episode with any first responders out there, with any uh, active duty military or veterans out there, anybody that could, you know, any family members of these individuals out there, call us, have a conversation. All of our contact information is, is readily available, whether uh, Instagram accounts, all in the show notes, Instagram, Twitter, email address, whatever. Give us a call. Share the show. Help us grow it. And with that, everybody, stay dangerous. See you.